Our sermon text this morning might look complicated the way it's written out in the bulletin. Uh, It actually is just a selection of verses from Acts chapter 20. We're going to begin reading in verse 17, and then we're going to read a selection of the verses from the passage rather than every verse in Acts chapter 20. So would you please stand this morning as we read God's word together? Beginning in verse 17, hear now the word of God. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, going to verse 22, And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. To verse 29. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those Who are sanctified. To verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Thus ends the reading of God's holy inspired and inerrant word. May he lay its eternal truths on our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we have an incredible need to be comforted today from your word. Would you give us divine instruction with your authority that we can depend on today? Send your spirit. Help us to believe even when we struggle. Help us to fix our eyes upon you and upon your son, who is the head of and protector of the church. May we always remember it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning's passage is one of the most achingly beautiful moments in Scripture where you see the men and the women in the Bible that they were really never two-dimensional actors just walking through the scenes of history reciting their assigned lines together. Uh, These were people with hopes, they were people with sorrows, they were people with temptations and miseries, they were constantly surrounded by things that could lead them to despair, they got lonely, they missed each other. In other words, they were real people, they were real pastors, real congregations, and in the narrative by this point, Paul has determined beyond all doubt That God has called him to go 
to Jerusalem. And he may want to stay with the believers in Asia Minor, but the lesson here is quite clear. God's call to serve a church is also a call away from a church. Paul has to leave. He has to go, even though he doesn't know everything that's waiting for him when he gets to Jerusalem. He's expecting that Jerusalem is a city in turmoil, and he's going there not knowing exactly what's going to happen to him when he arrives. When you look at the next chapter, there's this section that we didn't read, but um, in that section, the elders of Caesarea, they come to see Paul off, and they pray with Paul, much like we see here on the beach. And not just the elders come, though, but the wives come and the children come to see Paul off. And what you start to realize is there is this bond here between Paul and these churches. Um, you, You could imagine for Paul that these goodbyes are just wrenching and it's just one after another, right? And so once he leaves them, this is what's so wrenching about it. Once he leaves them, he can't help them anymore. Once he gets... On that boat, he can't serve them the way that he used to, right? Here are these little ones, these, these families, and they, they need a pastor, and yet Paul has to go. At another point, the believers beg Paul. They beg him not to go. And, and you remember Paul's response. He says, what are you doing weeping And breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name name of the Lord Jesus. See, for Paul, staying is not an option, no matter how much the people want him to stay. But you see, they care enough about Paul to beg him not to go. They they, they care enough about Paul that they they see him off, they, they pray with him, they kneel by the sea together. But please don't imagine Paul as some guy who is just made of stone. These are people who are capable of breaking his heart. They have emotionally invested in each other. He cares about them and they care about him. You see that mutual love here in this passage. You know, when, it's, when you're confronted with really hard things and, and changes in the world, it, it is very tempting to just sort of disconnect, isn't it? You can't handle what's going on. And so you say, well, I'm, I've just decided I don't care. And, you know, we all cope with sadness and, and loss in our own way. And I tend to actually do that for myself. I tend to disconnect and say, well, I'm not going to feel the pain. I'm just going to find a way to disconnect. And You know, maybe you have done that for the last month, too. You know, you've learned our family's leaving. You decided to think defensively. Well, well, he's leaving. That's fine. You know, he wasn't here long enough. Um, I'll be fine. Look, Paul was only with the Ephesian church for three years. And yet that is enough time to love. That's that's enough time That by verse 37, Luke writes, there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. No social distancing, right? It's been over four years since I candidated here. In fact, I was looking back through my archives and looking back at the services that I'd led and that I'd written. And I see that first date in there. And it's, I think it's July 24th was the Sunday when I candidated here in 2016. So we've just now passed four years since I've been here. Four years is enough time to love. It's okay 
to mourn the loss of this relationship because Paul certainly mourned it and the Ephesians mourned it. Um, it's part of the reason I chose this passage. You know, I, I've always done a Lectio Continuous style, which just means I'm preaching one text after another. We're working our way through books of the Bible, whether it's the book of John or 1 Samuel, whether it's uh, the book of uh, Levi's was did in, in, in Jude in the evenings, whether it's uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, whatever it is, that's, that's been our, our method with very few uh, opportunities to stray from that pattern. And this morning for my last morning, I'm, I'm choosing to, to break from our John series today. And the reason is because this is a passage that speaks not only of a pastor's love for his church and not only a church's love for its pastor, but it speaks of the sort of hope that a church and a pastor should both have in a moment like we find ourselves in this morning, in this moment where there is a parting of ways happening. Here we all are, you know, we're, uh, in a manner of speaking, standing on the shores of the sea, and, and you are seeing me and my family off. And you will remain here in Pearl, and, and you may be wondering, will we ever see his face again? We have a lot in common with these people, don't we? And here I and my family are, and we can't help but wonder what lies ahead for us. We find ourselves in some ways saying, what lies ahead for Pearl? We're worried about the future. You're worried about the future. This is a moment where we both need to be encouraged. And the encouragement comes from the word of God. And there's this temptation for me to worry. There's a temptation for you to worry. How does God answer that? Well, God has his answer for us in the text. All we need to do is spend time here. God has a word of comfort for Paul. God has a word of comfort for the Ephesians. And that same truth that ministers to Paul here ministers to me in a moment like this. And the same word that ministers to the Ephesians ministers to you in a moment like this. And so our outline is as simple as can be. Our, the first thing is comfort for Paul. The second thing is comfort for the Ephesians. Comfort for me. Comfort for you. So first, I just want you to look. There is comfort for Paul here. Now, you may find this point kind of strange. Why does Paul need comfort, right? Um, isn't the old saying, it's easier to leave than it is to be left? Um, Paul has an adventure ahead of him. He's going to be setting out to sea. Why would Paul, of all people, need comfort in this moment? Well, look, pastoring is a calling. It's a job, but it's more than a job. It's something that's done out of love for the flock. It's done out of concern for the gospel. And if a pastor finds himself not doing either of those, then he needs to do something else. But notice what Paul is concerned with in his farewell speech. You see his priorities come out, especially in verses 28 and 29. Because look at his priorities here. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. This is a man who's poured himself out for them. He has preached the unadulterated gospel for three years. He's laid a strong foundation for a church. He's shown them what, what God's grace is. He's shown them what God's grace means. And yet on the horizon is an armada of enemies ready to come and tear down all that work that Paul has spent three years laying and doing. Paul has just finished his sandcastle and here comes a wave. If you were to ask, 
pastors, what is your secret fear, especially upon leaving a church? I think many pastors would say, I'm afraid that I wasted my time and that nothing I did really mattered. Probably the worst fear you would have as a pastor leaving. And here Paul is in this moment and he needs comfort right now. Lord, please tell me I didn't spend myself just to see it all come to nothing. Lord, tell me that they heard the gospel when I preached it. Tell me that the way I I patiently guided and showed them your way isn't going to disappear the minute I go out that door. Good, now we can go back to all the ways that we wanted to do it before he was here. Paul is saying, tell me these people really listened and that they heard and that they will endure in the gospel. Tell me my life has not been wasted. That's the kind of comfort a pastor needs as he's leaving a church. You see, it's a myth that it's easier to leave than it is to be left, at least at least in the case of a pastor. So where is the comfort for Paul in, in a moment like these like this? These feel like dire straits. These feel like desperate times. This seems like the last moment that Paul should be leaving. He just said it. Wolves are coming. And and some of them are going to be part of the church. This is a moment when they need Paul. And yet the comfort here is not, well, Paul's going to delay his departure for a little while. Wait for the wolves to come and then dispatch them. And then, then he'll head to Jerusalem. That's, that's not the answer, even though he knows the wolves are coming. The comfort here is not in Paul. Paul's not the answer to their troubles. The comfort is in verse 32. Paul says, Now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So, so Paul's comfort isn't, well, I'll keep writing letters to you and, and I'll just pass through you from a distance. Um, you can watch my YouTube videos when I upload them, right? That's not Paul's solution. His solution is, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. So in the moment when he needs the most comfort, He takes his eyes off of himself. His answer is not, well, I'm good enough. I can muster up something. I can come up with a solution. His his answer is, God will take care of you because I cannot anymore. Paul finds comfort that they will always have the word of his grace. Not the word of Paul's grace. The word of God's grace. You see, Paul will leave... But they will still have what they need most. They will have the word of God's grace. They will have the thing that's been the catalyst for all of this to begin with. It wasn't Paul at all. God's word. I find incredible comfort in the thought that I never invented or did anything creative while I was here. Um, At least not that I ever noticed or thought about. Um, my ministry here at Pearl was as basic as you could have ever imagined. And, and for those of you who wanted lots of programs and lots of activities, maybe that drove you bonkers. I don't know. Probably did. I didn't place a high priority on programs. In fact, I sometimes talked bad about them in the pulpit because I wanted you to know that that was not the hope and that's not the lifeblood of the church. You know, in my recollection, all I ever did was preach, lead session meetings, teach Sunday school, visit you in in the hospitals and in your homes, right? 
So mine was a very intentionally vanilla ministry here. And, and I believe that any pastor who loves the Lord will fulfill his calling by doing this, by taking you to the Word each week. By taking you to the Word each week. So here's my comfort. All we really did and all we really do is open the Word. We just open the Bible. And week in, week out, the Bible doesn't change. The Word doesn't change. The message doesn't change. The Word of God's grace doesn't change. That Word is still the same. And the next man that God calls to this church and the men that fill in between, they will open the very same Word that I open to you every week. And the next man will lead you in prayer and truthfully probably pray more and pray better than I do. You see, all a pastor is is, is an under-shepherd. And I find so much comfort in doing exactly what Paul did here. And I do it today. I commend you to God. I commend you to God. Insofar as I was able to take care of you, I can't anymore. And in many ways, I never did. You've always been God's workmanship. You've not been my workmanship. Paul never says, you are Paul's workmanship. He says, you are God's workmanship. And as your pastor, I find incredible comfort in knowing that I can leave you in the hands of God. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will be faithful. There's comfort here for Paul. And there's comfort here for me, too. Now, that's the first point, comfort for the pastor. But second this morning, there's comfort for the Ephesians. You know, I I mentioned that that old saying, it's better to leave than to be left. And. And I showed you, hopefully convinced you, that that's certainly not the case from the pastor's point of view. Paul is leaving the Ephesians, which isn't easy for them either, right? Just like Paul can't control what happens with the Ephesians once he leaves, so the Ephesians probably feel out of control in this moment too. They may be tempted to sorrow. They may be tempted to despair. They may be afraid of what's ahead just as much, right? What if there's trouble? Well, it's not an if. Paul says, Fierce wolves will come in, speaking twisted things, drawing away the disciples after them. In other words, there will be self-promoters who show up and, and they will be more interested in followers for them than they are in followers for Jesus. There is a clear and present danger. And if I gave that prediction to you as a congregation, how would you feel? I think, I think you would be, feel a bit insecure, might be a word for it. Um, Like you were under assault, maybe. You might say, wow, our church is in trouble. Which is a scary thought if you've ever really thought that and really believed it before. Maybe you're thinking that now. I hope you're not. But maybe you are. You're thinking, Pastor Parker's leaving. Our church is in trouble. Well, that's just wrong. And I'm going to tear that argument down as fast as I can. Let me dispel it in a few ways. First, notice this. Paul isn't leaving behind a church. He's leaving behind a church with elders. Elders are a real blessing. And they're a blessing for lots of reasons. But one is that they have full buy-in with the church. Uh, The the reality is elders are members of a church in a way that the pastor never is. The way Presbyterian polity works, I have never been a member of Pearl Presbyterian Church. Uh, Maybe you felt like it. I've been present here as much as a a member is supposed to be. Um, But I'm not a member of this church. I'm a member of Presbytery. Your elders, on the other hand, these are men who are members of the church. 
They outlive, outstay the pastors that come and go. Uh, There is a sense in which they transcend the pastors that come and go. These men are invested in this church. They love this church. They love you. They love this congregation. I find so much comfort in knowing that after I am gone, they will be here and that they can and will and do care for this congregation. So I find I find comfort in knowing that my departure doesn't mean that you are suddenly being left alone. I hope you find comfort in that. That's real. That's biblical. That's good. Second, even as Paul is leaving this church with elders, he is also leaving the church with a presbytery. The presbytery is the elders in the region working together. So you have this church of Ephesus, and the church of Ephesus is not an island. Uh, the church of Ephesus is, is not alone. They never have been. They have always been part of the larger church. Pearl, in particular, is part of the presbytery of the Mississippi Valley. This is a good presbytery. This is a presbytery full of elders who love the church, and they love you. And these are, there are men here who will fill the pulpit When needed, while you search for your next pastor, they will be praying for you. And I know this, they already are praying for you as you even just now begin the pastoral search process. So you haven't been left alone. You have elders. You have a presbytery. But there's a third comfort for the church. And and it's this. Paul, Paul was just a bit player. Paul was just a bit player. God has always been the one who cared for this church. What does Paul say in verse 32? I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. See, what they need most is not something that's unique to Paul. What they need most is not a special gift that Paul has that nobody else has. They may think they need Paul. They may be convinced they need Paul. They may be convinced that there's nobody quite like Paul. Well, that's true. There's nobody like anybody else. Everybody's unique. But they're wrong. You see, God loves this church so much that if they really needed Paul to stay, if they really truly did need Paul to stay, God would leave Paul with them. No question about it. He would leave Paul if Paul is what they needed. God loves them that much. But he's not doing that because they don't need him. You see, it's not that Paul doesn't matter. But Paul is giving this church something that any minister worth his salt will give them. He's brought them the word of God. He's opened the word of God. He's explained what the word of God means. The personality is secondary. It doesn't matter if your pastor is young or old, skinny or fat, white or black, tall or short, big family or no family. He can do exactly what it is that you need most, and he can bring what exactly it is that you need most. Now, personality is something you have to live with, but the real question has to be, will he open the word of God to us? Because the word of God is the lifeblood of this church. Will he pray for us? Will he take us to the Lord? Because the Lord is the one who did everything that ever mattered in Ephesus. Paul did nothing special. Each and every pastor who fulfills his calling will make it his goal to open and explain and apply the word of God's grace to the congregation and then pray it over them. 
God is the shepherd of his people. The pastor's job is to get out of his own way so that God can lead his people by his word, through his grace, and for his own glory. Now that is an incredible comfort to the Ephesians. And I pray that that is a comfort to you as well. There's a comfort here for me. Because of these truths, I know that I can trust the Lord to take what I did and keep taking care of you. And I see tremendous comfort here for you as a congregation. I hope you see it. This is not a church built around any one person, any one personality. This has always been the church of God. Isn't it good to know that the church isn't about any one of us? That is such such a comfort to me. And yet, in spite of the comfort Paul offers, in spite of the comfort Paul finds in the Lord, they're still weeping. There's still heartache. Because saying goodbye is difficult. And Paul has just said to them that none of them would see his face again. And you know what? I I can't promise for sure I will be back to Mississippi. I have no family here. I have a church family here. The Lord could bring me back, but it may be true that I may never see some of your faces ever again. What a hard thought. I will miss you. You have been good to me. You have been good to my family. You have been a good congregation. And you've always received the word with willing hearts, glad hearts. I will remember you with gratitude to the Lord. And I'll tell people about Pearl Presbyterian Church, the first church that gave me a chance as a new preacher and treated me with exquisite kindness. One of my rules in preaching here has been that I don't include Lord of the Rings references. Uh, They are way overused in Presbyterian churches. Go to any... PCA Church, within a given vicinity, on any given Sunday, you will probably hear a Lord of the Rings illustration pulled out and used. Uh, You would think it's all we ever read or watch. Um, So I have this rule that I don't do Lord of the Rings references, but I want to break that one unwritten rule of mine as we conclude this morning. And I want to do it with a quote from Gandalf the Wise. I feel like in my final moments preaching here that you should really, you should know who I truly am. And who I truly am is a huge nerd. And maybe a little bit melodramatic. And so here it is. At the end of the return of the king, Frodo is leaving for the Grey Havens. And Frodo's friends are staying behind. And Gandalf turns to Frodo's friends as they watch Frodo getting on this boat. And his friends aren't going. They're staying behind. And do you remember what Gandalf says? He looks at them and says, I will not say, do not weep. For not all tears are an evil. And now what must I do? I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up And give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, 
I love this church, but even more importantly, you love this church. And you have always loved this church. You loved it enough to give your son Jesus Christ to bear their sin on the cross. You love this church enough to give your saints the word of God, which is able to build them up. And you love them enough to give them elders and pastors. And we know you'll be faithful to continue to do that. We praise your name, thanking you for past, present, and future grace, since that is what we live upon always. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.